Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish and Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and we hear from the Reverend Michael Lemaire as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. to think that if I could deftly handle some of these thorny scriptures and come to a deeper understanding of some of the theological problems and cope with some of the experiences I have that just give me doubt or challenge my faith, that I would deepen my faith, that I would come to a greater surrender to God. And I haven't really found that. (laughs) It's the same way I feel about critique. I mean, I I was trained to be a trainer of chaplains, and, you know, we learn how to give critique. And the idea being that you help people sort of see their faults or their things that they're doing that are undermining them and that they're able to take that and learn from it and change. And I didn't really find that either. (laughs) Over time, I've really found that it's far more important to point out people's strengths to highlight the things that they really do well and to hold it up for them so that they can see it and really build on it. There's sort of a a really uh, generous circle that happens when you do something you do well and you get a little bit better at it and it just kind of goes along. And, And rather than trying to fix people's faults, I think that we have to just lift up their gifts. And so likewise... When I came to scriptures this morning, I just couldn't find myself wanting to tackle the gate, the gatekeeper and the thieves. But instead, I was drawn to that text in Acts about early Christian community, right? I mean, you can almost hear the Godspell soundtrack in the background, right? (laughs) day by day and everybody's just bringing their stuff together and it's just it's just a good time right I've lived in a variety of Christian communities so after college I lived in a covenant house faith community in New York and in Toronto and uh, we had a shared life we ate together we prayed together we worked at the shelter together Um, and that was a great experience When I was in seminary, I lived in a student community called Galo's House, and we also had a shared life, um, you know, communal life, and and those were really great experiences. I've been part of another Christian community in New Orleans. It's like a Franciscan mission called Tau House, which was a community built around the idea of people who don't feel comfortable in the church or felt on the margins. You know, it was largely a lot of gay people, but it was also people that just, you know, pacifists and people who found themselves just not wanting to be in the mainline church. And then, of course, I've been here 
at All Souls going on almost 20 years. So some of the best moments of my life have been in Christian community. But I have to say that lived Christian community is a lot more like Paul than the, the text we have from Luke this morning in Acts. You know, the Pauline letters, which are sort of giving us another account of what's going on in the church, and, you know, the rich are lording it over the poor, and people are getting drunk at the Eucharist, and there's not enough money, and so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so, and they shouldn't be doing that, and who's first, and I, I belong to so-and-so. You know, Paul's letters are just full of the reality of Christian community. Right from the beginning, right? So we have this kind of full full breadth of what it's like. We have over here the Acts and over here the Paul. And I have to say as a priest that the number one complaint I get from people about, you know, organized religion is often failures of Christian community. They'll come to me and say, you know, they're just hypocrites. You know, they say this and then they live like this. You know, and there's perpetual scandals of, power and sexual abuse and wealth and there's just constantly that sort of thing that if you really want to find something that makes you think you don't want to be part of a church you can find it but christians don't have a particular corner on the market of hypocrisy Self-contradiction seems to me to be the human condition, right? That, you know, we're a mass of contradictory things, the way we'd want to be and the way we are. And it feels to me that that reality we're really uncomfortable with, and it gets used against us to kind of squash the aspirations and prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, because it seems to be like somebody does something good or admirable and they're being held up and saying, isn't this good? There's always somebody out there to say, yeah, but, you know, that Mother Teresa. <laughs> They've all got some critique that maybe in some way they didn't include somebody or, or there's some lack and so when we feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit, like we're, that we ought to move out to do something, it's very easy to become discouraged and to feel like maybe I just can't or I shouldn't. And before long, you find yourself online shopping for a, a hat for your dog. <laughs> All those things just fritter away. And we're distracted by all the things that are going on in the world. It's hard. It's hard to be Christian community. But it's also the place that I come to enkindle that fire of hope and to feed it week by week. Last week, Maggie talked to us about the road to Emmaus. Remember, and she said, you can't just walk along and expect to find Jesus. You have to walk with hope. If you're going to find Christ in your midst, you have to hope. So how do we keep the hope? 
How do we build the hope? So for me, it's in Christian community. It's coming here. It's why I'm here. Because I want to find Christ in my midst. And so I want to hold up a couple of qualities of Christian community that I think are really important. And the first is sort of being unified by prayer. That first line in Acts, you know, it says something like they kept the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Does that sound familiar to anybody? We say that. That's one of our promises in the baptismal covenant. And it comes from this text. You know, that we're united in prayer. It's what brings us together. And as Episcopalians, we have a book of common prayer. And that book comes out of a very particular moment in history when Christians were killing each other over what we believe. And if you didn't believe the right thing, you might end up dead. And so part of the compromise that we have is thanks to Queen Elizabeth and her very long reign. Because she said, you know, I have no need to peer into the souls of my subjects. And she proposed this, she endorsed this book of common prayer and said, we will pray together this way. These will be the prayers that will unite us. But what you believe, how you believe, how it evolves, your understanding, that's your business. And it's a compromise that's really held. And I love the fact that we are, we are bonded together by prayer. Like that's what holds us together. We come here and we pray these words. Second, awe in the works of God. Now in this text, I think the, the, the author is really trying to highlight the way that the followers of Jesus are becoming the leaders of the Jesus movement. He's talking about the works that they do. And that's a theme in Acts that, you know, Peter and the other apostles do the things that Jesus did. And so we sort of see a recapitulation of the gospel in a way. But for me, I think Christian community helps me see the works of God in the world and to experience that kind of awe. That, that all of creation is transparent to God. And that in the beauty and the diversity, and the abundance, I can see God. I can see God at work. And it's not so much that the awe is like, just that isn't this great. It also really puts me in my place, which is to say, this is not about me. My role in this is very small. But isn't it awesome I'm invited to participate? You know, the mission of God in the world is awesome, and I get to help. But it's not on my shoulders. This is not a story that revolves around me. And so that awe experience, I think, is so important to just realize your place in the scheme of things. Third, the just distribution of resources. You know, this is, this is really the Godspell part where they're like bringing their possessions together and they're sharing them out and everybody has what they need. 
when I was in the Holy Land, uh, we went around to a lot of sites of first century life. And one of the things that just is so astonishing is the incredible simplicity of life at the time. I mean, people lived in caves or stone houses. They're like one room. And that's where everything happens. It's where you sleep. It's where you eat. It's where the animals are. If you're lucky, you live near a source of water. But just think about it. There's no silverware. There's no glasses. There's no plates. There's no place to store them. There's no washing up. Where do you store your food? What about all your clothes? What about all your stuff? There is no stuff. <laughs> There's no stuff. And so when Jesus and the Christians are talking about don't worry about the cares of the world and your possessions, he's really much more saying don't worry so much about starving to death. It's about the want. It's not like, oh, I've got so many possessions. What am I going to do? I mean, if we were to enact this romantic notion of like bringing all of our possessions to all souls that they might be shared out, we'd turn this place into a landfill. I mean, there's such a colossal amount of stuff that we have. I mean, if we emptied our storage units and our closets and, and all the cars and the stuff and the extra houses and... I mean, folks, there's just no way that we can get back to that kind of place. So I'm not here preaching abstinence, okay? This is a harm reduction model. Okay? We have to give generously. We have to let go and simplify and try to subtract. We're really in this situation, you know, the sower who sows the seeds and the thorns. It's just so many weeds. You know, your possessions possess you. They need so much maintenance and care and upkeep and replacements. And then on top of that, we're constantly having our attention colonized, you know, with things to get. That if we don't really focus, we won't be able to do it. Fourth, they ate their meals with glad and generous hearts. And we're still invited to do that. You know, we come to this table to be fed, to be found, to be known, to be inspired. So, of course, they ate their meals with glad and generous hearts, just like we do. This is where our life is. This is where we find it. This is where we feed that hope. And it's, it's so great to be part of this community and to be fed together, to, to know we belong to God. And so these are the things that keep me coming back. You know, to be united in prayer to be reminded of the works of God, to try to use the resources that I'm given in a just way so that others can live, and to come to this table and be fed and go forth with glad 
and generous hearts. This is very good news.